Hey guys, what's up? I'm Nicholas Bailey. I'm here to inspire you to go bigger with your dreams and goals so you can give bigger with your profits. Welcome to the Go Big to Give Big podcast, where we are challenging six-figure earners to become seven-figure givers. My name is Randy Mullen, and each week, my co-host Steve Arneson and I are interviewing successful entrepreneurs, professional athletes, philanthropists, and other high-performing humans that are inspiring us with their stories. We go deep into uncovering how they have become successful and why generosity is an impact they want to leave on this world. Our mission is to have you leave this podcast wanting to go bigger with your dreams and goals so that you can give bigger with your profits. Let's not waste any more time and jump right into it. Welcome back to another episode of the Go Big to Give Big podcast. And on this week's episode, we have the incredible Nicholas Barely joining us. He shares a little bit about his journey on how he went from being overweight, bullied, and full of anxiety to creating a brotherhood of incredible entrepreneurial men that support each other in building their business, their health, and their relationships. Nicholas shares a little bit about his relationship with his wife as well, and he talks about how him how him and Amanda create trust for each other and the relationship inside of it. And then one other cool thing I loved hearing from Nicholas was how he was able to take his mess and create a message that is now impacting and inspiring so many people through his books and podcasts. Nicholas is an incredible human and has been endorsed and spoke on some of the biggest stages like Russell Brun- Brunson's Funnel Hacking Live. So I hope you find some golden nuggets in this incredible interview with our friend, Nicholas Barely. All right. I'm excited to welcome Nicholas Barely to the show. Nicholas, welcome. I appreciate you guys having me here. It's awesome to see you guys virtually, though we've met each other in person. I followed your guys' journey over the last few years, so I appreciate you creating a platform to help other people. Uh, for me, I didn't have a platform to listen to and I was 60 pounds overweight. I was super insecure, thought like every problem that I had in my life was only me. Even building a business, I just had nowhere to really learn from. So it's awesome that if I would have had a resource like this, I could have literally just plugged in and not been doing everything on my own. So thank you guys for creating space. Uh, thank you, dude. I appreciate that. And let's uh, let's just dive right into it then. Uh, you brought that up. So uh, obviously you've become a pretty successful entrepreneur. Uh, you've wrote a best-selling book. You have a top-rated podcast. You're helping you know men become three-dimensional with their health, their wealth, and their relationships. But it wasn't always great for you. It wasn't always just a straight-up uh, growth season for you. Walk us through the transition of you know being a carpet cleaner and struggling to make ends meet to hitting some success and building the Billion Dollar Brotherhood and watching that grow. Yeah, I believe that one of the biggest things that someone can do to market to their customers to get in the customer's shoes, and there's two ways to do that, is like doing it now and, and theoretically getting yourself in your customer's shoes. Yeah, I believe a lot of products and services have been created out of your own problems. So for me, one of the easiest things is I thought that I needed to become perfect to create my company and people would only listen to me if I was like, just had it all right. Not knowing that I actually related to the people by not having it right and then figuring it out. And once I was able to do that, I was able to easily speak straight to the heart of the client because all the things I talk about in the brotherhood, like you said, came actually from my struggle. So I actually said a quote on stage in front of Russell Brunson that then quoted me in front of Tony Robbins and then all these other people. And, and it just went wild. I get tagged in like foreign languages for this quote. I don't think anyone can take the quote because it's probably been said a billion times since before Jesus was born. It was your mess is your message. And for me, it just clicked. It was like, that was my issue. Like my mess is what qualified me to speak to the people and relate to them. My success is what allowed me to build an actual bridge and pathway for them to shortcut the time that it took for me to get to A to B. And then my resources of people allowed me to do that. Like I grew up in a family where my parents split up when I was four, seven years old. The only reason they hated each other. I wrote a suicide letter at seven years old because I was like, why should I even be alive? All I'm the only reason why my family hates each other is because I'm literally the only thing that makes them talk. And they're like, as soon as you're 18, we're never going to talk to each other again. And so that caused me to have tons of issues with like, I I wanted to sleep at my mom's house. I had a stepmom at my dad's house. And so I'd literally get dropped off by my mom who worked full time from like 6.30 a.m. to like 5.30 at night. I get dropped off at school at like 6.30 in the morning and like sit there until like eight o'clock when the gates open. 
and then I'd stay there till 5.30 just because I was like so nervous to go to my dad's house because then I was like, I'm going to be stuck, right? Like I have no car. I can't skateboard across town or anything like that. And I, I was so afraid to sleep at my dad's house that literally my mom would have to pick me up every time. So even when I got to the point where I went to a school near my dad's, my mom would drop me off in the morning at my dad's. I'd sit there for an hour, walk to school, walk home, sit there for two hours, wait for my mom to pick me up, go home every single day of the week. And this caused just tons of anxiety. Man, I've, I've struggled with like so such bad anxiety that every single day I used to get sick, like massive stomach aches from preschool because I was in daycare zero to two, preschool two to four, school from there on out. Like I spent more time sitting outside of a school than I did doing anything else in my life, which made me absolutely hate school. So, so much of this like weird, anxious, like I literally, third grade, couldn't even go to school. I had diarrhea every day, no matter what I did. Everyone thought I was full of crap. I literally actually mm-hmm. was, now that I think about it. Uh, but everyone thought I was, uh, like it was a total joke that I was trying to get out of school. And so I have all these issues that I don't even know are going on. Like I have no actual conscious recollection of anything that would make me feel that way besides the fact that my family hated each other and my brother's running away from home all the time i have all these pressures of where i'm going to live and not ever feeling like i'm ever at home and no parents around so i'm like well, maybe that contributed to it but i didn't know and it really boiled down like i wanted to be a professional motocross racer and that was my only real dream that i held on to i remember going to my dad and and telling him that i wanted to be the best motocross racer in the world and this was like the one moment that kind of like broke the camel's back, like the whole like one straw that broke the camel's back. And I, I truly believe that if things can happen in the negative like this, like the one last thing, it can also happen for the positive. So I'm always looking to have that happen on shows like this where someone's listening and they're like, that was the straw that broke the camel's back. Like this is the straw that fixed the camel's back, you know, like the complete opposite. But for me, went to my father and he just like said, you're never going to be good enough. Basically, you're never going to be the best. And it just, I was like, why am I even alive then? Like that was the way my brain worked. Like it, Ricky Bobby, if you're if you're second, like you're the first loser. Like if you're not first, you're last. I was like, yeah, like that totally makes sense. Like he's got this right and everyone's laughing, right? And I'm like, what are you laughing about? Like if you're not first, why even try to do it? So I didn't talk to my dad for about three and a half years, which caused me to gain weight. I graduated high school at 1.8. I went to summer school every single year. And that was the only way I took literally college classes in high school to get enough credits to graduate. So close to not graduating that I didn't have a graduation party. Like that's where my family was at. Like no one ever celebrated me graduating from high school because we thought I was going to have to go to summer school again and then get like a GED or something like this. So I'm 60 pounds overweight no girlfriend during that entire time, extremely self-conscious. My dad even made fun of the fact that I was overweight, which caused me to literally sabotage every single opportunity. And that's where I was at in my life. It's like, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know where I'm going to go. And that's where I started focusing on that first dimension of the three-dimensional businessman, which was health. And it came from someone not speaking a message, telling me a message, but by living a message. This guy was a boxer, got in ridiculous shape. I go, yo, what are you doing? And that was vulnerable. Like anyone here who's like, what are you guys doing to be successful? That is so awesome because that is so vulnerable. I was overweight, fat, made fun of, wore sweatshirts every day, super insecure. And when I say that, it's an opportunity for people to poke at all the the ways that I'm lower than them. And I did it in front of my friends and he's like, oh, I'm eating this food and I lost weight. And, I'm, and I was like, I literally went all in. I was like, a path, a plan, something that works. Like he's doing it, he's living it, influenced me. And I went out there and lost 60 pounds in six months. And I, re- I from there, I ended up meeting my girlfriend at the time. Now we're about to be married for 10 years. And I got to the point where I ended up getting married a year later. Um, I lost the weight. I, I ended up having these life transforming things. Yet I realized that, and then I got my girlfriend and then I got married and I was like, oh God, I got these two dimensions, right? I like got the love of my life. I got my health and I got married with no job. And I like barely graduated high school, never went to college, never got a job. Like, how am I going to provide for my family? And that's what led me to network marketing first. They had a company that failed. And then I'm sitting there again in a townhome after I thought I was retired off of residual income from network marketing, getting kicked out of my townhome and had to move into a 400 square foot apartment with my new wife of just one year. And that was super humbling. Like we had no air conditioning. It was like 110 degrees inland in San Diego. Hopefully you guys used to Greece and not Celsius. Mm -hmm. That'd be terrible. Uh, but if you do, I found you could just say, Alexa, 
what is 110 degrees in Celsius? And she tells you, so don't worry. And so it was super hot, terrible. And we just had to rebuild from there. And I struggled so much with having my own products. You know, when you're network marketing, you just get told there's like 5,000 doctors and 75 triple blind studies. And it's like the miracle drug that you can drink it and it heals your toe and it heals your gut and it makes you fly. Like it's absolutely amazing. And so you don't see any of the issues, right? You don't see manufacturing issues or product issues or ingredient issues because you never know because you didn't create the product. I started creating my own products. I go, I helped, I lost weight. This has to be the only thing I could sell because I didn't know you could bring in experts or any of that stuff. I just like, what do I, what have I done? I lost weight. I'm a guy. Perfect. I'm going to help other guys that were just like me. And I failed for years because I was too scared to tell my story. And it wasn't until I started telling my story, connecting with other people in their place where they were at, showing them that I had the solution that I started building the community and realizing, man, it wasn't just that. Like it was these other things. And instead of building one product for one person, like everyone talks about, I was like, what if I just sold like, or tons of different products to serve, uh, like di one product that serves different types of people, right? There's like a marketing agency that's like, I do, I serve this business, this person, this person, this person. I was just like, what if I build a product multiple of them that served one person, which was the man that ran a business, just like my father who struggled and had to claim bankruptcy. And it wasn't because he wasn't going to the gym. Like, no wonder he's not going to the gym. Like he's going through bankruptcy. How's he supposed to go to the gym when he's going through bankruptcy? It's like all of us as guys have things that we cannot outsource in life, no matter what we do. You can outsource marketing, podcast, editing, etc. Yet inside of our health, we can get plans, but no one's going to spoon feed you. Inside of our relationship, we can get mentors and, and therapists. And my mother and father-in-law are literally own a marriage company, yet no one's going to communicate with your wife for you or your husband. No one's going to have sex with your wife or your husband for you. So probably get good at it. And also inside of our finances, no one's going to have the vision for you. No, You can have people do work, yet no one's going to be the person that actually manages the things for you, learns how to create wealth, learns how to keep wealth, learns how to grow wealth. No one's going to do it. And so if we those are the things that are required as a businessman to be successful. I was like, I'm going to create that. And I started started the brotherhood. It was so scary. I was like, I'm not good enough. All the same old junk that I had from the health world. I was like, I'm not good enough. I haven't made enough money. I haven't married long enough. I don't have enough kids. I don't have I, I don't have kids that are teenagers. How am I going to be able to help this world? And that's where I moved into bringing in those experts and have continued to do that for years now. So very interesting process of my own struggle, my own mess finding out how to solve that inside of my life and then going back and helping the old me in all these different ways, shapes, and forms, creating products to serve that person, shorten that gap. I literally thought that that disqualified me. The fact that I taught people how to lose weight now a different way than I lost weight, I go, how can I share my transformation story? Like Because I starved myself and ate salad with no dressing, that's exactly why. So I'm like, I used to starve myself. Now you can eat fat steaks and potatoes and get freaking shredded. I'm like, I wish I would have known this before, but man, all the head trash kept me from, from promoting it. So for three years, I never made more than $3,000 of total revenue sales in a month. And once this clicked for me, our first month from 3K went to over 20K and we've had a profitable month every single month since that epiphany. We have never had a month that isn't profitable in over six years. That's insane. And I literally couldn't even live off my business before that. Like it was in radical. I want to, uh, there's so much to unpack there. That was a, a full journey. And uh, I want to get into some of that. But, you know, you started this men's group. And at what point did you realize this transition where you were having these epiphanies yourself? You started this men's group. When did you know that group was going to take off and and become something special and be something that people wanted to be a part of and create a, a lot of revenue for you and be kind of like your identity going forward? Yeah. After it took off, really, is when I thought it was going to take off. I saw it for sure. Like my wife and I were super happy with a 35, we had $37.50 each to eat with every week including groceries like that was everything each that we had and we were happy throughout the whole process it was more so that we saw that we were lacking in our own growth and our own potential and what we could possibly do so that's what was frustrating a lot of times i feel that people are like you hate where you're at you have to hate like your life sucks and i'm like no my life didn't suck i had a beautiful wife 
we were fine living in a 400 square foot apartment. We just knew that there was so much more potential that we had. So for us, like we had to see the vision and know who our identity was because our external environment was not something that was going to give us confidence to be able to preach a message, right? I'm like cleaning carpets every single day. Uh, I, at some point I was actually renting a 10 by 10 room out of my wife's parents' house to try to build the business to just save that extra little bit. So I'm sitting there, guy in a spare bedroom, working out of a closet that's not even a walk-in closet, like I just took off the doors. That's my desk. And cleans carpets for his main source of income. The identity of that person cannot go out there and build a business. I had to see what we were going to create prior to creating it and have confidence in where we were going. So when did I see it? I saw it years before any of this ever happened, yet there was still that feeling of doubt, right? This is why some people, they don't have money to invest in mentors. They say they have big dreams, but when it comes to investing money, they all of a sudden get scared. That should be a good indicator that you're actually not hopeful of the future or not 100% certain in where the company's going. Because if you were, then it wouldn't be just talk, it would be in action. I have to say this to myself, right? I'm not talking to anyone else besides myself. I'll be like, yeah, I know where we're going. So I'll be like, cool, this thing, uh, I can help you for 50 grand. Gosh, 50 grand, what if I don't make it in the future? And then my whole life's ruined because I invested this 50 grand. I'm like, am I really certain about my future at that point? So I got certain about my future. And then it got to the point where I had a health coaching business that was doing $35,000 a month of reoccurring revenue. And I knew that wasn't what I was supposed to do. So I got these guys. Why am I here? I got these guys that own businesses and I've helped them lose tens of thousands of pounds. Like I'm doing great. I've reached these people. This is awesome. But I'm not a health guy. I just had a health transformation. I'm like, but everything we talk about is like what us as guys struggle with that makes us struggle with our health. So I sat down with two friends, Alex Ramosi, who now wrote 100M, which at the time he was just running Gym Launch, uh, and Brandon Kalenpool and their own Lady Boss. And I was like, I had this vision for five years to create this brotherhood where it's like bigger, but how am I supposed to sell that? Like I'm right now, I'm like, I'll help you lose 10 pounds in, in 30 days. That's so transactional. It makes so much sense. Brotherhood. It's like, uh, why would I buy that? So I really didn't know if it was going to be that valuable yet. I just knew that that's what I was supposed to do. And I went to mentors and asked, they're like, you should do that. So what I decided to do is I thought all my guys are failing in health because they work with me and then they go back to their old friends. Like, What if I could get all these business owners to connect and they have this core lifeline of wanting to be healthy. So they get new friends and they all are fit and healthy and they want to do the right thing. So now they're going to be fit even after me. It's like, how do I do that? Well, I should probably get them and lock them in one room for a little bit, preach the message, get them to buy into it. And then when they go home, they will be like little fires, like spreading the fire of the three-dimensional businessman. Like, great. How can I do that? Live event two days, we'll lock them in a room because no one's going to listen to me online. So I, I start selling tickets, right? And I open this event. I get like, I get Cole to come out and speak. I got Jordan Harbinger to come out and speak. I got John Spencer Ellis to come out and speak. I forget all of year one speakers, but some amazing people. And I'm like, not that far away from the event, dude. And I got like 15 tickets sold. It's supposed to be a hundred, all my speakers spoke. And I sit there and it was like one of these moments where it's like, I knew I was supposed to do this, but it wasn't working out. And I remember talking to some friends and they were like, I was like, I'm putting like 15 hours a week into this and it's just not working. And they're like, you need to go all in and like, just put it all in like 40 hours a week, actually make this happen. Think about this. I was so afraid that 15 people were going to show up. Think, notice that I was a complete fraud. Where's the hundred people? The speakers were going to show up and go, where's the hundred people? And then everyone was going to think that I was a total idiot and write me off for the rest of my life. I'm like, Oh my God. So I got on the phone and I literally closed 81 tickets. And we're talking like five, $600 per ticket. I closed 81 tickets on the phone. I fill up this event, ends up being phenomenal. I get up on stage the very first talk of my event and I say, I'm launching a program. It's called BDB Elite. We're launching the Brotherhood. It's 10,000 or $12,000 per person. I have 25 slots. And that's why I got you guys here today is because I truly believe that if we come together in Brotherhood, we have an unfair advantage. Life is like a bar fight. And then the guy is 400 pounds and in UFC. But if you have 40 other guys alongside you or 25 at the time, 25 other guys alongside you, that 400 pound guy ain't going to be do, ain't going to be able to do nothing. It's like, I truly believe that if we come together and support each other and we all have the same values of family, relationships, 
health, and business, that's going to be the thing that connects us. And we're going to be able to go further faster. And literally, I just see all these guys like start going to the table and like drop in 10, 12 grand. I had 11 after my first talk. I didn't even like do the event and then like pitch them later. No, the very first talk I got up on the stage and was like, I'm launching this. And I told myself, if I get one, I'm going to make every guy feel like the most jealous person in the world. I'm like, I'm going to just absolutely crush it for this guy. If I get 10, I'd be happy if I got 25. I told my wife I'd crap, like actually poop my pants. So I still owe her the pooping of the pants because by the end of the weekend, we had all 25. And that's when I realized, oh my goodness, this was so much more valuable than I thought it was going to be. Because for me, like seclusion was such a big part of entrepreneurship. One of the reasons why I invested in Mastermind that we've all been a part of, which is Thrive. That's where I noticed that, oh my goodness, I was missing people that could see the greatness in me give me the little tweaks inside of my company and the community of people that just influence you to become better. And I was like, all these guys don't have it, right? Like they don't have these other men in their life that are that example. And I created that man and just all of a sudden took off. And, and now we just found different ways to serve those guys. So that's when I really knew. It's like, literally when people started buying, I was like, oh my gosh, I don't have to wait five years to do this. And then I got so scared. Again, I felt depressed, dude. I closed like 280 grand. And I was like so depressed for like a month, two months straight because I felt so much burden to serve these guys. And like, they didn't care. They wanted to connect with each other. They wanted to learn from the experts. And so for like the last four events I've done, five events, like I haven't even spoke at them. Like I literally just bring in people and I MC my own events and I bring in little perspectives and I stopped making it so much about myself and I made it more about them, more about the community, more about the brotherhood and more about the experts that could come in and share the best information possible for these guys. And it's been super rewarding. And I just had an event even like two weeks ago. And just like, again, best event we've ever done. Again, like new guys coming in, people with, with from all over having these huge experiences. I have people that like own these huge companies or, or are influential entrepreneurs with hundreds of thousands or a million followers. And they come in for the very first time. And I just think, how are they going to like this? Like, there's no way. They know everyone. They have friends. They make so much money. I'm I'm nervous still to this day where I'm like, I can't believe this entrepreneur is giving us a shot, investing with us. And then they start tearing up in there and they start crying about something or share about their father that they never shared about before. And they leave and they're like, this is the best thing I've ever done in a long time. And I'm like, how? Like, it still is very shocking to me, but it's super rewarding. Dude, I, I love that story, man, and the adversity that you that you faced and how you conquered it, and the the family and brotherhood that you created through BDB. And bro, that was the easiest con- that was the easiest uh, setback or like scariness. By the way, it got it got a lot harder after that. I've had a lot worse things happen since then. So that that was a that was a minor amount of pressure that we went through for sure. Even though that was the worst thing I'd been through in my life up to that point, most pressure. I feel you. All the challenges get harder the more you grow, right? But the the question I want to ask you is is both a, like a, a dynamic piece of the relationship that you have with Amanda and um, something that I've been chatting with with my fiance Rebecca about recently has been how are we going to hold each other accountable to our own high standards as well as our own individual goals? How have you guys managed that? You know, I'm sure there's been times in your relationship where you know one of you wants to do this, the other wants to do that, but you have this commonality in the business but your own individual desires how have you balanced that how do you do that with your partner and how do you strategize through that yeah so there's a few things in that so number one is definition of power couple inside of our world is two people two individuals with their own visions coming together creating a like-minded vision using their skills talents and abilities in order to accomplish that main vision so each person has two different visions in life what they want to do what they want to get out of it coming together and saying hey where do these overlap and where can we like create this dynamic together where we create a family vision a vision together and we use our skills talents and abilities that could be a mom at home and a guy working or the opposite it's skills talents and abilities it's not who's going to work inside the business and what role for us we got lucky in the fact that we literally had nothing so it was like if we're going to make money is it better that we both work really hard on something or one? And we're like, well, we probably should both do it because we don't have any other option. So we got very lucky in that part of like, we both had to immerse ourselves in the company where some people are like, they have great jobs and everything or a great business and everything's perfect in their life. Then they want to get in a relationship. 
I'm like, oh man, that sucks. Like for us, everything sucked. And we had, we had, I literally lived in affordable housing because our, our joint household income was under $24,000 a year. And so like a church gave us affordable housing at like 350 bucks a month. And I was like, I will not qualify for this next year. And that was my goal. It was like, I don't want to qualify for affordable housing. So that's number one. The second one is uh, intimacy and, and uh, commitment. So inside of most relationships, if you look at commitment and intimacy, the opposite, intimacy, commitment, that'd be like a one night stand, high intimacy, low commitment. All of this is distrust. And so like building a foundation of this is really, really big. So a lot of people, maybe they're dating. There's a point of dating and it's not to wrap up high commitments with low intimacy or high intimacy with low commitments. Like going out there, you move in, tie up all your finances and you just met the person and now you own a house together and you have all these things in a business. It's like, no, like what we did is we we made sure that our intimacy trailed our commitments. So we had commitments to each other inside the relationship, like your fiance. It's like, yeah, like I wouldn't run a business or do that stuff with a fiance. But once you get married, you're like, all right, our our intimacy and our commitment level to ourselves, like we've allowed our intimacy, the things that we do together that are very close to trail behind our commitments. So all this is trust. And so inside of that foundation of trust and commitment, you you allow yourself to have conversations that most relationships can't have because they think if I have this relationship, they're going to leave me. No, when your commitment is so high and your intimacy is trailing that, like you've done with getting a getting engaged, which is a phenomenal expression of commitment. Some people can get married in Vegas, doesn't mean jack squat. So, so that's a huge commitment. And inside that intimacy trailing, that's all trust. Again, opposite is one night stand. That's all distrust, right? This is why people wake up in the morning and they're like, I never want to see you again. This is so awkward. And so inside of that, I believe it, it builds this bridge that we've been able to do, which is inside of high commitment relationships, when you have conflict, people either sweep it under the rug because they don't have commitment in the relationship. Commitment allows you to communicate, communicate quickly. When you communicate to understand, not be right, you understand the person better. And it's proven that you cannot love something or someone more without getting to know them better. So think about if you communicate through a situation, through conflict, that allows you to better understand the person, which then allows you to fall deeper in love and have the feeling again that you once had in the beginning. People call it the honeymoon phase. The way to reinvigorate the honeymoon phase is by getting to know the person better because you could fall deeper in love. What happens is people get into conflict, they have low commitment, so they end up not talking about it because they're scared that the person will leave them, they're not going to think of them the same way, it's going to break up their relationship, whatever it is. So then they end up having conflict over long periods of time, never having that next experience of deep love. So that being the foundation is what's allowed us inside of our company to have super difficult times or conversations quickly because our commitment is so high that we know no matter what happens, our relationship is above all these other things. And even through conflict, we're able to communicate to better understand each other better, to be able to fall in love to a deeper level. So that's number one. The second one is knowing our roles. Like we didn't know. We, I was like the back end of the business for the first two years. She was the front. Like I was like, she's cute. She's hot. Like how could people not buy? And people didn't buy. So I was like, ah, like maybe I should try doing some of the sales stuff or the coaching stuff. And and we literally were so bad that we didn't know what we were good at. Then all of a sudden, I started closing some deals. I started getting educated. I started having a capacity to become really good at that side of the business. And she had a capacity, this back end and systems and all this stuff. And I'm like, we literally were doing the exact opposite. We were sucked at everything. But when we tried new things, we saw, oh, I have a capacity to become great at this. I'm going to keep pushing on this. And that's where our company really blew up. And so still in this role, She's COO. She runs like schedule, team, hiring, workflows, projects, management. And for me, I'm like talking to the people, selling, influencing, et cetera. And that's that's where I really shine. So finding those key components of what does it look like to use your skills, talents, and abilities to contribute to the core vision, not just are you going to be a part of the company or whatever? Because all these moms, what do they say? Oh, I just stay at home. No, you don't stay at home. You use your skills, talents, and abilities to contribute to the core vision of the family. And then all of a sudden, staying at home is the same value as the person running the billion-dollar company because each one has a role. And I think that's super important, especially my wife hardly worked in our business for two years. Well, my son was zero to two. Now he's two and a half. 
And now we have a full-time living nanny au pair from Brazil. That whole two years, like we worked very part-time and it was like, we, I couldn't, she couldn't sit there and be like, I'm not as successful as I used to be. No, she was using her skills, talents, and abilities to contribute to the core vision of the family, which is definition of a power couple. That's awesome, man. And uh, speaking of power couple, you guys started out uh, transitioning a little bit into the giving side now of, of things. Uh, you guys started out doing some missionary work and going and exploring different areas and uh, actually, you know, seeing what it's like to be on the ground in third world countries and serving there. Um, what did that do to push you to want to be a more successful entrepreneur after you had gone and witnessed all of uh, that tragedy that you had seen? Yeah, so that was really cool to build a relationship on this. We literally started dating and we were already planned from a mutual friend to go on a trip to Bulgaria, Turkey, Greece, France, Scotland, uh, London, and then Mozin, uh, or and then South Africa and Mozambique. And in Mozambique, like we didn't shower for like seven days and we lived in tents and everything. So I'm like seeing her on the mini stops like Eiffel Tower and then and then like in a tent smelling terrible right so that was very interesting to see and also like you said like we went to we went to we looked for the poorest of the poor the people that just literally been forgotten about never seen before never cared for anything like that and that was a very interesting process for me because one i saw people that loved people so much that it wasn't a skill set it was love not just in the other country but the people that went to go serve in those countries i thought this is crazy these people are literally trying to raise money to fly to a country and live in a place that no one would ever want to live to love on people that people would never want to love on. I just, that was what hit me so hard was that Amanda and I going out to those countries was amazing, but I saw these people with such big hearts. Again, people that were serving, they had such big hearts. People in the other countries, it's proven that they're so happy. Like they were having a blast the entire time. It's wild. And so coming back, I thought if I just made enough money to send 1100 other people out because that was about as the group size that I was a part of. It's like none of them can afford it. If I just made enough to send them out, then like I could just work and they'd only lose two people and I'd be able to send 1100. Whereas if I just keep raising money for me, it's just a man and I going out and doing more stuff. But at that point, that was like our identity. Everyone was like, you guys are amazing. This is what you're called to do. And so when I went in out and started a, a business and failed for three years, could you imagine how embarrassing this is? Like we were speaking to like hundreds or thousands of people in different countries to then going and starting a business and literally watching my friends and the people that believed in me kind of like take a step back. Like, oh, maybe this isn't the right thing for you. Like you had something going for you here, but now you're cleaning carpets, living in an apartment, doing nothing for anyone. And that was very, very difficult for us. And I had so many nights that I was just crying on the floor, just like I'm trying and want it and believe so much for this to happen. And it just seems like no matter what I did, everything failed for me. And at times I was like, maybe I did like totally get selfish and greedy or something. Like I had no clue what was going on. And so that was a very difficult time for us. And but that was what originally got us into business was that and uh, a longer story that I can't tell here Yet one of my friends committing suicide was ultimately the big thing that influenced me to then go on those trips to serve the people that were unserved because I had someone who's in front of me every single day that I literally never noticed was hurting. And she ended up committing suicide when I was in high school. And what ended up happening is like within a week, we had like, hey, let's remember her and get together. There's like 450 people that showed up. I'm like, I was at that point, I was like, I don't think anywhere near that would have showed up for me. I was like, how could she make an impact on 450 people's life and 450 couldn't make an impact in one person's life enough for her not to jump with a rope on her neck? I'm like, this is ridiculous. And that uh, inside of my book, uh, Modern Day Businessman, which I'm happy because I plugged it. If someone messaged me on Instagram, I will literally pay for the book and ship it to their house because I just set it here um, and I'll set aside like 50, let's say. Uh, inside that, I should start the book out with that story and how I was actually able to save someone's life just six months later. It was literally in the middle of the night on a Monday in an industrial part of town. And I was literally screaming my eyes out, just like, I want to do something big with my life. And I felt this feeling to get off the freeway. And I literally went off. I felt a feeling to turn left. I saw this guy and I felt like I should stop for him and like this whole thing. And that's when I was like, holy crap. Like 
I literally just found this guy in the middle of nowhere in the middle of the night. And all I did was ask to be used to do something awesome. And that's originally like, that's why I went to the countries. That's why we pulled on the string of becoming an entrepreneur. That's why we created the companies that we created was just still listening and taking action, listening, taking action, listening, taking action. Uh, and it was not easy. That's for sure. And so that's where we started out. Now we, we definitely uh, partner more than go out to the mission field. Um, though I just think it's so awesome. The people that do, how are you using your business to give back today? Uh, so what's cool about our business is that I truly believe that a three-dimensional business is uh, having a mission and vision that's bigger than a product or service. So what's the point of the company that's bigger than just the things you sell? Things that you sell and content that you create that solves the need or the problem of that bigger vision. And number three is how do you actually give back in a way that puts you out of business? Because I thought, oh, that's so good. You can serve people before they have the problem. So if someone had like they make tennis shoes for people that struggle with their feet problems. Like, well, why don't you go out and like help kids get kid tennis shoes or get the proper foot placement so that you never have to have them buy your certain shoe, right? And so for us, I was like, well, what giving to other countries is great, but like there's so much problems here in America. 25% of homes are fatherless and 85% in some cities. And they show that the statistics of kids that go through life with the fatherless home is like the majority of all the problems of statistics of children for drug abuse, going to jail, juvenile, like all the different things, like tons of, you could literally Google it. And so we ended up partnering with a company called The Winning Edge, which literally sends people to schools and actually inspires them, gets them mentorship and gets them into camps. And so I was like, well, what could I do? Like, I can only give so much, right? It's like, if you think about it, like Bill Gates can give a lot of money to people, but if I get everyone in America to give me 50 bucks, every person in the world to give me 50 bucks, I now have 8 billion times 50. Like the collective numbers is so much bigger. So on my last live events, like we've sponsored over 43,000 kids to go to after school programs just from the community of our events and then the donations from the people that actually invest in our program. So one of them from the people that invest in our programs were able to donate 10 grand at one of the events. Uh, and then another, uh, and then on top of that, all the people that actually gave to those events as well. And so through our company, we've been able to partner with an actual company that gives back to kids that are fatherless, which are the most people that I deal with or people that struggle with their father. They had a father in the home, but they weren't present. They say that if your father does not discipline you, it's like you're an orphan. And most people, they grow up with a dad that's just all fun and exciting. Oh, he's such a, he's the best guy ever. Now, if your dad doesn't discipline you, then it's as if you're an orphan. And so inside of that place, it's like we're, we're serving those kids and it's been an epic process. So then they come back and they bring us like all the data and statistics. So they go, they'll be like, there are 60 kids that wanted to commit suicide. There were 12 kids that wanted to actually kill someone in the next calendar year. There's this many people that were sexually abused and stuff. And they just, because all the kids write it on the card. Prior to coming here, what were you struggling with? What were you dealing with? What are you letting go? And they're like literally planned attacks, like weapons. They've had times where kids had weapons at the school at the time, like absolute insanity. And just knowing that like, hey, if we didn't do that, then they would have never got to that school. And if they didn't get to the school, what would have happened? Right. And that's the burden side of it where you're like, if I just would have given a little bit more, if I just would have done a little bit more. Uh, and so you can't get into thinking that way, but that's one of the ways that, that we've been able to give back to the company. The second one is like, if you have revenue goals, I believe that another way to get past the making of the money is creating a bigger, a bigger reason why you're making it. So it's like, hey, we can give this much if we hit this goal. So inside of our company, I was talking about earlier that we'll hit a certain revenue goal and we'll take a percentage of that and allow the actual team members to decide between multiple causes that we can give to. So it feels like, the money that they would never be able to give, they now have some type of like ownership in where this is going. So they're like, oh, we have $700 this time that we can give to this thing. It's like, well, they may make $700 in a week. And now they're literally able to give $700 away. And it feels like it's their decision, even though we could have done it, never told anyone. Um, so that, that's been an epic process as well. And I believe is that extra motivator. It's like, what's going to motivate you to go to the next level? And it's like, how could you not be motivated when you're looking past the money, right? It's like, you're not looking at the money, you're looking past it. Oh, I know what I can do after I get this. Nicholas, you've, you shared some incredible stories here and 
I'd, I'd love to hear one of your favorite moments of giving that still gives you goosebumps today that when you think about it. <laughs> yeah, this one, uh, this is, this is very interesting. Uh, I felt in 2010, I believe, uh, there was a guy that I was totally meant to meet and I knew I'd meet him and he was an influencer. I didn't know how it was going to happen. And I, this is where I found out that giving actually gives you something in return. So I had a friend of mine who literally used to track his giving on a sheet of paper. I'm like 18 years old. And he literally had this goal to give away two grand, which may not be a lot to entrepreneurs, but for us, it was like, that's insanity. And so like all year he's doing this and he's tracking it all and he's given like 200 bucks away. And it's like almost the end of the year. And he gets this random check in the mail for literally like just over two grand. And it was from like a school thing that he overpaid or something. And he was like, oh my gosh. And so he went and he gave it all away. Right. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is crazy. So I saw this notebook. I started giving like my mom would give me like lunch money, right? For like high school. I started giving like five bucks of it away. Like I get 20 and I give five. I give four. I give eight. I tracked it. I'm giving all this money away. So I finally meet this influencer. My friend goes, hey, I'm going to lunch. I'm like, how random is this? I literally go have lunch with this guy. And this was the guy that goes, man, Nicholas, I wish you were coming to to um, London and S- South Africa and Mozambique with us. And I was like, at the time, I was just uh, didn't know about communication. So I said, I am. And that was it. He's like, ah, cool. Weird. Okay. Like you're not booked on the trip. So I don't know what you're talking about. And, and so literally I had no money for any trips, no nothing like that. And randomly I like, created a PayPal account, didn't ask people for money. And over the next like couple months, I got like eight grand given to me from random people. And I'm just doing my little giving thing, right? So like, I'm just giving like 10%, 20%, like literally just to my local church. Like I have no clue about any of this, but I'm like, it works for my friend. This is epic. So I'm just literally doing this whole thing. So I literally go on a trip first to Bulgaria, Turkey, Greece, all that stuff. And then I, I have a flight back and I'm like, man, this guy's going to London right after. And I told him I would go and I have no money for it. So I stay, don't take my return trip, have no cell phone, have no computer, no nothing. Don't even tell my mom. And I'm 18 years old and I show up, I'm sitting in the London airport with it and waiting for them. They come off the plane and I go, I told you I'd show up. They're like, where are you going to stay? I'm like, I have no clue. I have nowhere to stay, no money, no nothing. I, I had a few, like uh, a little bit of money in my account left over, but like not enough for anything. They're, so they're like, you can't come with us to Africa. I'm like, I'm going. And they're like, what is wrong with this kid, dude? So literally... Uh, I, I have like 1200 bucks in my account The just the flights, just to get back to London, not even home was $2,800. And so I call my mom with like three minutes, mom, I have three minutes. I need a credit card. I have the money. I just can't charge more than $1,200 on the debit card. And she's like, if you don't pay this back to me, as soon as you get back, I'm literally getting divorced. Like my mom worked very hard and didn't have very much money. So I literally, my mom swipes her credit card for $2,800. I go on these trips while I'm like literally on the last day of serving the poor. And I'm like, I only have a round trip back to London. How do I get home? So I'm freaking out online. Like I have to call Amanda's dad, my wife's dad now. And I go, I have the money. Just pay, buy me a ticket back and I'll pay you back. I literally did have that money. Uh, I just couldn't charge more than 1200 on debit card because I'm 18. I had no money. And so I get home into America. I literally write him a check, send it back. And I have $500 in my bank account and I owe my mom $2,800 at the end of the month. And I have no clue how to make money at this point. I go to my local church and I'm like, it's worked so far. So I literally write in the giving envelope, $583 and gave all of my money away because I had no clue how to make money. And legitimately within two weeks to the cent. I gave my mom cash. Random people sat down with me and took me to lunch. And they just, they, all, for some reason, it was this number for like everyone. It's like, I just really love what you're doing in the world. I really love what you're up to. And I want to be a part of it. Or, hey, I had this extra money. Or, hey, I was going to give this away and I didn't know where to give it. And I thought of you. And they wrote me $1,000 checks. And I literally asked no one for nothing. And I, I gave it to my mom and I was like, oh my gosh. And that's when I was just like, I just want to keep upping this. I was like, it was $4. It was $8. It was $12. And that literally it skips. It's like $583. And then it's like $3,000 cash. I literally went to the same bake teller every time to deposit my money. Cause I was like, this is insane. 
I give the money away. The Bible says, if you give it away, I'll give it back to you, press down, shake it together, running over. Like you won't even be able to, your, your barns won't even be able to hold all the things that I'm about to give you. And I was like, it says it, I did it. And I'm like, got another deposit for you. Literally no job, no income, no W-2, no support letters, no nothing. And that that was like, legitimately to me, that was the first way that I learned how to make money was I was like, I have no clue how to make it. Like, I bet if the church knew that, they would trip out that I owed my mom $2,800. She was going to get divorced. And I literally pull out the cash to the cent, set it on the counter, and we literally never talked about it again. That's incredible, dude. And such a cool of the reciprocity of giving, right? Uh, when you give, it comes back around. And uh, a million percent. I'm sure we could dive into a million things here, but I want to get through our giving round quickly and uh, answer some quick rapid fire questions for you. So you ready for them? Yes, sir. Cool. Uh, Breg on one charity that you like. One charity that I like, uh, Agape here that my wife serves at. They, they a pregnancy resource center. They absolutely do a phenomenal job uh, helping women that get pregnant or... Uh, unexpected pregnancies or any of that, get tons of resources and help and free things that my wife would have had to go to when I was living in that apartment or else we would have been absolutely screwed. Um, so I love what they're doing. That's beautiful. What gets you more excited? Donating a million dollar check or spending a week physically helping others? I, I would say that what gets me more excited is definitely the... Uh, the million dollar check. I think that spending a, t- a week helping others is is amazing. Um, but that is something that I that everyone can do right now. And something I've never done is write a million dollar check. And so I can always still go out there and work the week, you know, but not everyone has a million dollars to give. Great answer. Who inspires you with their giving? Dude, that's a <clears throat> really freaking good question um one person that inspired me was a mutual friend of ours cole um i and it seems really stupid but one thing that inspired me a ton was that when i was completely broke i ended up going to dinner with him and i saw him pay for his family and his friends for dinner and didn't even like think about it and that's when i was like that's what i need in my life like because i would have thought about this and so though it's nothing big that's what first inspired me and i was like I like this guy because he doesn't even think about money. Like he doesn't even like, doesn't even phase him. And that is a more of a mental mindset than it is about money. Cause I know many people that are rich and man, they're the most stingy people ever. And there's other people that live abundantly. And that was super inspiring to me. Do you think that new businesses should start giving from day one or wait until they've seen some success and have some money in the bank? A million percent. Children should give from day one end of story like it's not just for the giving yeah if you give it'll come back to you if you give it'll help people but if you give it actually sets you into a mental framework of abundance right rather than scarcity because why aren't they giving because they don't think they have enough what are they going to get not enough it's like the mental framework is more it's more about say more blessed is the man who gives than receives how could that make any sense if i give you a million dollars by definition i am more blessed than you are so like, why maybe pay for someone's stuff and say, if they say, no, 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 I got it this time. You say, no, don't steal my blessing. You think you're going to, no, I get the blessing for giving. And I believe that a lot of that is like, do you want to walk in abundance or do you want to walk in scarcity? Do you want your business to work in scarcity or do you want your business to work in abundance? Personally, um, I think I think a big thing is like, yeah, the business can do it, but also what are you personally doing with your finances? And I believe inside of that place, there should be a level of giving as well. Very cool. Uh, when you hear the term "go big to give big," what does it make you think of? When I when I hear the term "go big to give big," the number one thing that I think of is how can I level up personally inside of my skill sets and inside of my life so that I could do something bigger for other people than I could have ever done for myself. And that's that's what I look at or hear when I hear that statement. Amen, dude. In one single word. Describe the feeling you get when you give. Full. Full. That's a great one. And the final question we have for you, we ask all of our guests, uh, age old question, do you believe that money can buy you happiness? 
really great question. Uh, it's a, I know that I know some of the answers that probably would have been said. Uh, I believe that that your state of being has to be happy before anything. And I believe that if you have a foundation of happiness, money can make you more happy and giving money can make you more happy. I believe that if you have a foundation of sadness or a foundation of not enough or a foundation of scarcity from the beginning, then no matter what you do, it's still going to be that same exact thing. And so I think money, get money, making money, giving money can make you more happy, but the foundation has to be happiness first. And that's why I say when a man and I were totally struggling, we were happy. I have to say that because people are like, man, like that sounds so terrible. I'm like, no, it was terrible that we had so much more to give and so much more to do. But man, if I wasn't happy then, like when am I ever going to be happy? Right? Like even with giving, oh man, I gave a little bit. Like, you know how many people come up, like coming to the brother and they're like, man, my wins are just so small. It's like, nah, if you can't be happy with the small win, with the small give, with the small money, with the small whatever, you're never going to be happy with the big ever. Like I've like 10 X anything in my life that I ever thought I would do. And all the old trash that I thought of back in the day, it all came with me and I had to deal with it or else it never was going to be accomplished by more money, more nothing. And so foundation of happiness, uh, and then exponential happiness from more. I love that. That's a great answer. Thank you so much for coming on the show, Nicholas. It's been great learning more and uh, getting into it. How can people find more about you or learn about the Billion Dollar Brotherhood? Uh, thanks for asking. Uh, I said, if anyone sends me an Instagram DM, so Nicholas Barely, try to spell it, like give it your best shot, uh, B-A-Y-E-R-L-E. Send me a message. I'll actually, again, send me your address and I'll literally ship you out a book, like my physical copy. Please try not to be in like, you know, North Pole or something like that. Um, but even if it is, I'll definitely eat that or make sure we get a digital copy sent to you. Um, but yeah, I'll make sure that we have some ready to go because I talked about that in the book. I talked about also that full financial story, that financial miracle, what it means for today. I break that actually down where I like actually got lost in the middle of the ocean in the middle of the night in the water for five hours and like it was insane. So it's a fun story. Awesome, man. Well, thank you so much for coming in today and inspiring us to go bigger with our dreams and goals so we can give big with our profits and uh, looking forward to staying connected and hearing more about your story as you continue to grow. Thank you, guys. Thank you for listening to the show. If you know someone who's an example of go big to get big, we would love if you could share this with them. We want to get our message out to as many listeners as we can. And it all starts by having people like you share it with your friends. Also, if you enjoyed the show, take 30 seconds and give us a five-star review. It's a simple act of giving that is free for you, helps us grow our message, and in return, allows others to find us sooner. And until the next episode, remember, always go bigger with your dreams and goals so you can give bigger with your profit.